Bible this morning, would you stand with me one more time as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Luke chapter number 11, Luke chapter 11 and verse number 13. Jesus says, he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus said that the Lord will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Father, thank you for the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. God, I just pray today, Lord, for that anointing that comes with the Holy Spirit to be upon the message and the messenger, Lord, today. God, give us ears to hear your word this morning. And God, may we not simply listen and hear, but may we put in practice what we receive today. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Hey, you can be reseated this morning. Well, we are currently in a series called The Core. Now, we understand that a core is the part of something that is central to its existence or character. Now, in our series, we are examining our core values and we are examining our core uh, beliefs here at the Grace Place. By the way, if you've not heard all of these messages, I encourage you to go online and listen uh, to these messages. Well, this past Sunday, we began talking about what we believe about the Holy Spirit. First of all, we established that he is a person. He is a person. He's not merely a force, not energy, not some type of weird, mystical Uh, indescribable thing. No, no, he is the third person of the Trinity. Just as you can have a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father and a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, so also the Holy Spirit desires to have a relationship with us. Well, last Sunday we began talking about some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. I want to do a quick review of the two that we talked about last Sunday, and then we'll cover three more today. First of all, we said that he communicates with us. He communicates with us. It is the desire of the Holy Spirit to have communion, to have fellowship, to talk with us. He, He desires to communicate with us. You might say, well, pastor, how does the Holy Spirit communicate with us? Well, first of all, he communicates with us through the scriptures, through the scriptures. We discovered through scripture that the Holy Spirit is the true author of scripture. And as the true author of scripture, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, and he wants to speak to us through the written word of God. We said that an appointment with scripture is an appointment with the Holy Spirit. Well, how does he communicate with us? He also wants to communicate with us through a still, small voice. Yeah, that impression that comes to us when we sense our heart being bent in a certain direction, being pulled on, that soft voice that we hear on the inside of us, that is the Holy Spirit trying to communicate with us, trying to talk to us, trying to lead us, trying to direct us, trying to guide us. He also desires to communicate with us through the saints. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit will use other believers to speak into our lives. Now, we need to understand that usually when the Holy Spirit speaks to us through another person, he has already been talking to us, by, but uses other people to confirm what he has already been speaking to us 
about. And we also need to understand that he will never, ever contradict his written word. Well, another attribute of the Holy Spirit that we talked about last Sunday is this, and that is he comforts us. He comforts us. See, one of the names given to the Holy Spirit is comforter. And this word comforter means one called alongside to help. Well, last week we talked about two ways the Holy Spirit brings comfort to us. First of all, first of all, through his presence. Through his presence. Listen, there's nothing sweeter. There's nothing more encouraging there. There's nothing more uplifting. There's nothing more faith building than to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But not only does he comfort us through his presence, but also through his people. God uses people. See, see, we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his voice. Many years ago, when I was pastoring in Midland, I had a man in the church there who owned and operated a a little one-man cab company. And one day I received word that his little cab company was temporarily shut down because his cab failed to pass the safety inspection because the tires didn't have enough tread on them. Also, he didn't have enough money to buy new tires, and this man had a family to support. Well, I remember, I remember going into the auditorium of the church, and I remember, I remember praying specifically for this man. And I remember talking to the Lord, and I remember saying, Lord, you know, you know Brother Joe is a brother. You know that he needs a new set of tires on his cab so he can earn a living for his family. Lord, please, Lord, would you provide new tires for Joe's cab? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why are you asking me to do something that you're not willing to do? I said, what are you talking about, Willis? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you buy Joe a new set of tires for his cab. You got enough money to buy him some tires. You go buy him some tires. Why are you asking me to do for him what you're not willing to do? So guess what? I give Brother Joe a call and I tell him to meet me down at Discount Tire and I buy Joe a new set of tires for his cab and his cab business is back up and running again. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He communicates with us and he comforts us. Yes, sometimes through his presence. Yes, sometimes personally, but sometimes he uses people to comfort us. Sometimes he uses people to help us. Notice another attribute of the Holy Spirit, and now we're starting today's message, and that is he corrects us. He corrects us. How does he correct us? Well, let me suggest two ways. First of all, through preaching. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him, what shall we do? See, the Holy Spirit used Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost to bring correction and conviction to everyone who heard it. Several years ago, as I had finished preaching in another pastor's church one night, as I had given the altar call and as I walked down to the altar... I looked up and there was three or four men that were in my face. Three or four of the pastor's deacons had approached me at the altar. And the deacons asked me, they said, have you been talking to our pastor? 
I said, excuse me? Have you been talking to our pastor about what has been going on in this church recently? I said, no. I said, I never, I make a practice, I never talk to a pastor about what's going on in his church or any problems he might be having in his church before I preach. I've never done it and never will. They said, wow, we believe you, but you nailed our hides to the wall. They said, just two weeks ago, we had a four-hour business meeting. We just had a 45-minute one. <laughs> two weeks ago, they said, we had a four-hour business meeting that got really, really ugly, and your sermon tonight described it in vivid detail. They said, it was like, it was like you were at this meeting and then like you took notes on it and then you got up and preached from the notes that you took from the business meeting. Hear me this morning. I wasn't at the meeting, but the Holy Spirit was. I didn't take notes at that meeting, but the Holy Spirit did. See, see one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is he corrects us. And sometimes he does it through preaching. Let me ask you this morning, has the preacher ever come knocking on your door? Has he ever come close to where you were living with his preaching? Has the preacher's sermon ever brought correction to you? See, sometimes when the preacher is preaching, we say, amen. And sometimes we say, oh, me. But not only does the Holy Spirit correct us through preaching, but also he corrects us through personal convictions. Personal convictions. I want you to tune in right now. I want you to listen and hear the meat of this right here this morning. Somebody needs to hear this today. In Romans chapter 14, and I'm not going to take time to read the book of Romans chapter 14, but in Romans chapter 14, Paul addresses personal convictions. You might say, Pastor, what is a personal conviction? Well, personal convictions are all about the gray areas of life. How many know about gray areas? And personal convictions are all about the gray areas of life, those things that are not distinctly black or white, areas where there are no specific instructions in Scripture, no thou shalt or thou shalt not. Areas like, at least in... in the writing of the scripture, areas like the foods that, that they ate, or the drinks that we, we drink, or the places we go, or the day of the week that we choose to worship, the entertainment that we allow or do not allow, and the list goes on and on and on. The gray areas of life. I would say that in these kinds of areas, we need the Holy Spirit to help us decide what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. And in these areas, one size does not fit all. And you need to hear that. One size does not fit all. What's right for one is not necessarily right for all. And what's wrong for one is not necessarily wrong for all. In the gray areas of life. These are personal convictions. And we should be very, very careful not to force our personal convictions on anyone else or allow anyone else's personal conviction to be forced on us. I urge you to read Romans 14 when you get home. Not now, please. When you get home. I want to point out some significant phrases in this chapter. 
The first phrase I want to, I and I'm picking it right out of, of, of Romans chapter 14. I, here, here's a phrase I want to talk about, and that is you should each be fully convinced in his own mind. Paul says that about personal convictions. He said you should, you should be fully convinced in your own mind. Say in your own mind. He says you should each be fully convinced in his own mind, whether you eat something or don't eat something, whether you do something or you don't do something. Make sure you are fully convinced. Make sure, make sure that still small voice of the Holy Spirit isn't saying, don't do that. Make sure you have peace about it before you do. And I also want to say this, and that is there's a difference between being convicted of the Holy Spirit and being convinced by man. And a lot of things in life that we do or don't do is based not on the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but the convincing of man, the way we've been brought up, the way we've been taught, the preaching, the teaching that we've received. I mean, you know, I, I grew up in, in, in legalistic times, and you know, and man, everything was sin. I mean, if it was fun, it was sin. But most of those were not things that I was convicted of the Holy Spirit. They were con- uh, things I was convinced of man. It had been drilled in me. It had been, it had been put in me by my pastor, by my parents, by the people we hang out with. Be careful. Make sure, make sure that you are convicted of the Holy Spirit and not merely convinced by man. There's a difference. Here's another phrase in Romans 14. It says, why do you condemn another believer? It says, why do you look down on other believers? May I tell you that people absolutely amaze me. They criticize someone for doing something that they won't do, and yet what they are doing seems far worse. I'm I'm thinking, you're condemning them for this, and yet you're doing that? What? It's what Jesus described when he said that we criticize the splinter in somebody else's eye, but we have a boulder coming out of our own. Philippians 2 and 12, Paul writes, and he says, work out your own salvation. Say your own. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Say fear and trembling. Don't forget about that. And work it out. Work it out. There's work to it. Listen. When we are beginning, when we are figuring out what's right and what's wrong, and when we are figuring out our personal convictions, we need to work at it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Listen, our salvation as well as our spiritual maturity is a personal matter. And we should ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in the gray areas. Listen, we should seek to please God and not man in these areas that are not black or But notice another phrase in Romans 14, and it says this. It says, decide to live in such a way that will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. See, according to this scripture, even if something doesn't seem wrong for us, if another believer is convicted of it, then we should refrain from doing it too, at least when we are in their presence. Say, Pastor, you mean we can do something when they're not there and we can't do it when they are there? Exactly. Well, that's being a hypocrite. No, it's not. 
Not according to Paul, it's not. You say you got scripture for that? Just happen to have some. Romans 14 and verse number 22, Paul writes, he says, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. There are things that I do today that when I was a kid at home, I wasn't allowed to do. But I don't broadcast it. I don't get in and tell everybody. Now you want to wonder what that is. You are so nosy. You're the nose, nosy. Hey, it could be a lot of things because we couldn't do it. If it was fun, like I said, it was wrong. You may believe, Paul says, there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. Hear me this morning. Just because you have liberty to do something doesn't mean you should broadcast your liberty. And I sure wish some people would stop broadcasting their liberty on Facebook. See, here, listen, listen, when you broadcast your liberty in a certain area, it might offend someone who doesn't have liberty in that area. See, I've worked out my salvation. I've worked through a lot of the old junk and all the old legalistic stuff. I've, I've worked through a lot of that, but there's still people around that haven't worked through it yet. Their favorite song is still Amazing Grace, but they don't have any grace. I mean, when I was growing up, that was the favorite song of the church, but we should have sang Amazing Law, How Sweet the Sound. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. Enjoy your liberty, but keep your liberties to yourself. Listen, what you are doing might not be wrong, but offending your brother is wrong. Did you hear me? I said, what you are doing may or may not be wrong, but listen, broadcasting your liberty, and by broadcasting your liberty, offending another brother or sister in Christ, amen, your liberty, what you are doing may not be in and of itself be wrong, but but offending your brother is wrong. Use wisdom. Enjoy your liberty. Thank God for freedom. Thank God you discovered grace. Don't offend your brother through your liberty. Here's another phrase in Romans 14. It says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. Where was that verse when I was growing up? <laughs> Say, it's not a matter. Kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or what we drink. It's not a matter of what we do and what we don't do. It's about, it's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Here's something to consider. Next time that you're trying to work through a gray area, ask yourself, is this righteous? Kingdom of God is not in meat or drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the next time you're trying to work through a a gray area, ask yourself, is this righteous? Ask yourself, can I do this with peace in my heart? Ask yourself, does this contribute to my joy? Notice one last phrase of Romans 14, and that is, it says, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something or do something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. 
Notice it didn't say anything about whether it was sin or wasn't sin. It says that if, if you have doubts about it, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something or whether or not you should do something or whether or not you should drink something or whether or not you should go somewhere, if you have doubts about these things, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. The sin, listen to me this morning, the sin is not in the deed, but the sin is in going against your personal conviction. Somebody else may be able to do it, and it's not sin for them, but it's a personal conviction for you for whatever reason. And if you go against your personal conviction, Paul said, it is sin. So don't preach to me your personal conviction. I will not preach to you my personal conviction. But I do believe that we need to have personal convictions. We don't need to get so far away and so liberal that we don't understand. Yes, we still need personal convictions. We still need the Holy Spirit to personally convict us, amen, personally to lead us and direct us and guide us in this way. What is the third attribute of the Holy Spirit? He corrects us. And one of the ways he does so is is through personal convictions. Listen, hear me this morning, when alarm bells are going off in our spirit, listen, listen, when we sense an uneasiness, listen, when our conscience slaps us upside the head, listen, listen, when peace is nowhere to be found, listen, that is the Holy Spirit convicting us and correcting us, and hear me this morning, that is a good thing. Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit prevents us from doing a lot of things that could harm us. All right, let's look at the fourth attribute of the Holy Spirit this morning. That is, he confirms God's will to us. He confirms God's will to us. In Acts chapter 15, there was much discussion and even division between the leadership of the early church as to what requirements should be laid on the Gentiles who were being saved. What was the will of God concerning these newly saved Gentiles? And the Bible says that the holy the, the Bible says that the apostles held a powwow. They put their hearts and their heads together and they sought God for direction and for an answer as to what they should tell the Gentiles what would be the requirement for them. And in Acts chapter 15 and verse 28 it says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. During the powwow, during the discussion, during the seeking of God, it says it seemed good to, they, they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And then a short list was given. But I want you to notice the phrase, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Listen, this morning, one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit is he confirms God's will to us. He confirms God's will to us. See, if you need to know what God's will is for you for something, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what the will of the Lord is. You might say, well, pastor, how does the Holy Spirit confirm God's will to us? Well, he does it in two ways. First of all, first of all, he does it through an inner witness. Again, verse 15 and 28, it says, it seemed good. Say, it seemed good. It seemed good. Good, or we had a peace about this, or we felt this felt good to us in our spirit. There, there were no alarm bells going off on the inside of us. Hey, have you ever have you ever considered doing something, but that something just didn't seem right? It just didn't seem right. You just you just felt uneasy about it. You were troubled about it in your spirit. 
Have you ever ignored these feelings? And if you have, let me borrow a phrase from Dr. Phil. How's that working out for you? How does the Holy Spirit confirm God's will to us? Through an inner, an inner witness, but not only through an inner witness, but also through influential people. The Holy Spirit confirms God's will through influential people. Acts 15 and 28 again, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And to who? Seemed good to the Holy Spirit, but also seemed good to us. See, see the, the apostles sought the wisdom, they sought the counsel of other wise, godly men. See, see never, never make a major decision on your own. Seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which includes seeking counsel and wisdom from influential people, people who are mature, people who are godly, people who know how to hear the voice of the Lord, people who have a proven track record in the area of wisdom and knowledge and spiritual maturity. Proverbs 12 and 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man will seek out counsel. Proverbs 11 and 14 says, where there is no counsel, the people will fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Well, let's look at the fifth and final attribute of the Holy Spirit that we're considering in this particular teaching this morning. That is, he commissions us. He commissions us. Acts 1 and 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses to me. One of the reasons we are filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the purposes for the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that we might be witnesses. You'll receive power. What's that power for? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses. But notice, you'll be witnesses to me in there's some specific area, in specific places, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He commissions us. Acts chapter 8 and verse 29 says, the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit what? Evidently, he speaks. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and walk alongside that carriage. Any carriage? Any carriage? What carriage? Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and walk alongside that carriage. Acts 11 and 12, the Holy Spirit told me. He what? I guess he speaks, huh? I guess he's got a voice, huh? The Holy Spirit told me to go with them. To go with who? Anybody? Everybody? Who? The Holy Spirit said, hey, go with them. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7 says the Holy Spirit prevented them. He what? Prevented them from preaching in Asia at that time. Does that mean they could never preach in Asia? just mean it wasn't time, correct? The Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching in Asia at that time. It goes on to say, once again, the Holy Spirit did not allow us to go there. Can't go anywhere? No, can't go where? One of the awesome attributes of the Holy Spirit is he commissions us. He commissions us. Listen, let me suggest this, and that is he can tell us where to go. The Holy Spirit, he can tell us where to 
Go. Now listen, you can have the attitude if you want to, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Or you can ask the Holy Spirit to commission you. You can ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. You can ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. You can ask the Holy Spirit to open and shut doors for you. And listen to me this morning, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit, He, He can tell us where to go. Listen, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. What does that mean? That means He is all-knowing. And because the Holy Spirit is omniscient, because the Holy Spirit is all-knowing, that means that He knows where the places are that will prove most fruitful for us. He also knows those places, where those places are, that would yield nothing for us but struggle and frustration. And listen, listen to me this morning. I can tell you from experience that my most fruitful ministry has taken place in the places where God commissioned me to be. And I would tell you that my greatest struggles have taken place in the places I went by myself, the places that I chose on my own. But not only can the Holy Spirit tell us where to go, but also he can tell us who to partner with. Acts 11 and 2, the Holy Spirit told me to go with them. Go with who? Go with anybody? Take your pick. Bill, George, Tom, Adam, Mike, Matthew. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them. Acts 13 and 2 says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Or as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit, what? I guess he does have a voice. I guess he does talk. Amen? As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I want you to notice a specific partnership. Separate for me Saul and Barnabas, a particular separate specific partnership, but also notice a specific project for the work, for the work to which I have called them. See, the Holy Spirit can align us with the right people at the right time for the right thing. So I ask you this morning, which seems better to you? Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, or right people, right time, and right thing. If I could have some help on the platform this morning, please. Takeaway for this message, teaching today, is the Holy Spirit is the best kept secret in the church. We talk a lot about the Father. We talk a lot about the Son. We talk so little about the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is just as much God as Father God is God, as much God as Jesus Christ is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, not three gods, one God, but working together in unity. Don't miss out on a relationship with the third person of the Trinity. Father, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning that has been shared. God, I just pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that you will help us to open our hearts and make room for that third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Help us to have a, have a desire to, to develop a relationship, to walk, to talk, to fellowship, to commune. To recognize that when we have an appointment with Scripture, we really have an appointment with the Holy Spirit. Help us to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Scripture, to, to reveal to us, to open to us the deep truths of the Scripture. 
Help us to ask the Holy Spirit to walk with us through our day, to lead us, to direct us, to guide us, to put us with the right people, to put us in the right places, to put us in the right position. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in those gray areas, those things that that the Bible doesn't say thou shalt or thou shalt not, those areas that are not cut and dry, those areas that are not black and white, but help us to be sensitive in those areas to allow the Holy Spirit to nudge us, to to impress us, to lead us, to direct us in these areas so that we might please you in every area of our life. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, we are so desperate for you. We ask that you will be with us today.